and welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Uh, here's your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories, and I'm your host, Fred. Uh, today we continue our trip through aviation's yesteryear with the soaring tale of legendary hero Captain Hudson, his adventures to the Lost Mines of Paradise, and produced here by Audio Cinema Entertainment, a group that hails out of sunny Southern California. So uh, we're going to conclude uh, more or less the first disc of this sprawling five-disc adventure. Captain Hudson has crash-landed in a sort of in a remote airstrip in Northern California. He's trying to pick up a job doing some air cargo transport. Uh, even if his intrepid co-pilot and mechanic flaps, looks upon the whole situation rather dubiously. But things here aren't quite as we expect, um, as he expects, and I guess we'll find that out too. Um, hope you enjoy uh, second half of first disc of Captain Hudson, Lost Minds of Paradise, followed then by uh, Tim Knopfler, the uh, interview with the creator of the series. Hope you enjoy. Hold up, Cap. I want to take a look at number two. Yeah, maybe we better. Looky there, Cap. Good thing we shut her down. We could have had a fire. We sure could have. With all that oil seeping out around the propeller cap. Do you think you can have it running by tomorrow? I won't know until I check under the hood. Either way, looks like we're really going to need this job now. Well, what do you say we meet Mr. R.J. Castle and see what he has in mind? Sooner the better. Hey, look there, Flaps. Yeah, a Boeing 247. I wonder how our landing would have ended up in one of those. Hey, I'll take our DC-3 any day of the week. What's that smell, Cap? (laughs) That would be... fresh air. Don't worry, you'll get used to it. Jeez. Must be at least a couple of dozen hangars around here, Cap. How are we going to find this castle air place? I don't know. Hey, here come a couple of guys that look like they work around here. Maybe they know. Hello, fellas. Uh, say, can you tell me where I can find the castle air office? Let me think, let me think. Castle air. Castle air. That office, I think, it's at that far end of air. What? Wait, wait, no. Not at far end. Have you lost all the marbles in your deck? Excuse my brother. He is new to America. He has uh, only been here for six months. He thinks you he knows it all. You make me laugh. You got here seven months ago. Oh, I make you laugh. What does that make you, Mr. George Washington? Oh, oh, oh. you, uh, Mr. Alvin Einstein, you think always that you know all of it. You're not respecting your older brother. We are twins. Ah, but I was born first. Yeah, feet first. Ah, but your head was uh, first guys, in the hit ground. Guys, Hey, excuse me, guys. If it's not too much trouble... We just need to find Castle Air today. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, yes, uh, okay, okay, let me see here. Um, yeah, uh, keep going up straight, and before you're at the tower... Uh, Make what? the left. Yeah, left, I think, and... Uh, Count four? I think five. Five hangers. Five hangers and you're there. Yeah, and you're in there. Thank you very much. Castle Air, Castle Air, I thought, uh, I thought they were not still working. What does he mean, not still working? Now, what did I tell you? Yeah, huh? Hey, look, Flaps. That 247 has taken off. Ah, Castle Air Freight. This is it. 
Good afternoon. I'm Jim Hudson, and this is my flight. Yeah? What do you want? I'm looking for the owner. Big deal. So are a lot of other people. Most of all me. What? Ah, uh, that bum disappeared. Owes me two weeks back pay. If I ever get my hands oh, on... Oh, we received this telegram from him three days ago. Show our flaps. Here, look. Yeah, it was sent three days ago. But it wasn't sent from here. What about the cargo we're supposed to deliver? Yeah, well, I wouldn't know anything about that. I have completely had it with this place. I'm leaving. Wait, you can't leave. We gotta... Yeah? Watch me. I've had it up to here with this place. I'm getting out. Where are you going? <sighs> I'm gonna walk my tired old bones over to the tailspin. I'm gonna find a nice, quiet table in the corner. And then I'm gonna put a glass of Kentucky bourbon between me and the last two weeks around here. Goodbye. Hey, the phone's ringing. Yeah, well, it does that sometimes. Well, do you hear that, Cap? Hmm? What's that? That sound. I think it's, uh, yeah. The sound of flapping wings from the wild goose we're chasing. Save it for later, Flaps. We got work to do. Work? What work? Look, we didn't fly all the way across country to just give up. Yeah, so what are we gonna do now? Well, let's go check the hangar. Maybe we'll get lucky and find our cargo back there. Hey, Cap. This door looks like it leads into the hangar. Hmm. Well, give it a try. Jeez, this place is a mess. We'll never find anything in here. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, we better split up. Why don't you try that stack of boxes over there, and I'll start checking under these tarps. Cap, you have any idea what we're looking for? <coughs> Anything showing an October 9th delivery date? Ugh, oh, this is a real long shot. There's gotta be at least a hundred boxes in here. Yeah, true. But until we look through them all, we really haven't got much else to do. Wait a second. I think... I think I may have something here. What have you got? Hold for Hudson Air Cargo. October 8th pickup. Deliver October 9th, 1936. Property of Consolidated Mining. Hey, great, Cap. This is it. Yeah. Hmm. It looks like this is it. What do you mean, looks like? The crate has our name on it. Yeah. That's exactly what bothers me. I don't follow you. Well... We sent our reply to R.J. Castle four days ago, right? Yeah. And the lady up front said she hadn't seen Mr. Castle for two weeks. Yeah, okay, so? Well, if the lady up front doesn't know anything about our delivery, and Castle hasn't been here for two weeks, then how did our name end up on this crate four days ago? Well, maybe, uh, you know, he could have, um, what if, um, gee, I don't know, Cap. Maybe this Castle guy snuck in late one night and marked it up. Now, why would he do something like that? Well, the lady up front said Mr. Castle owed her back pay, right? Right. Well, maybe he was trying to avoid her. Okay, maybe. But this delivery is worth $15,000. Castle's take for brokering the delivery would more than take care of two weeks' pay. Or two months' pay, for that matter. Oh, this is getting complicated. Does it really matter? 
As long as we've got the crate, why don't we just deliver it and get our money? Deliver it where? Oh, yeah. Hmm. No instructions on the crate anywhere? Nope. Look for yourself. Nothing. Ah, there's gotta be some way to find out where it's supposed to go. Maybe we can find something in the office that'll help. Yeah, that's worth a look. Boy, this place is a bigger mess than the hangar. Well, we better start looking. Try one of those file drawers over there. Take us days to find something in here. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. It would take us days. But I think I know where I can find somebody who would know right where to look. And where would that be? I believe the lady said it was called the tailspin. Holy shamole! Cab, would you look at this place? All these souvenirs from the war. Have you ever seen anything like it? Hmm. Only in pictures. Whoever owns this place has got to be a flyer. Yeah, I'll say. Hey, get a load of that wooden propeller up over the bar. Cap, did you see... Hey, Cap, where'd you go? Over here. Take a look at these photographs. Who are all these guys, Cap? The top one is William Morehouse. The one to the right is William Bishop. The others are Liddell, Warnford... From the uniforms, they look like pilots. Oh, yeah. They were pilots, all right. But not just any pilots. These guys? They were all awarded the Victoria Cross. Some kind of medal? Yeah. It's the highest one you can get in England. In fact, half these guys never lived to see it. Kind of makes their pictures look different, you know, knowing some of these guys have died. What are you looking at now? These pictures, you know... I know a lot about these guys, but I don't think I've ever seen these particular photographs before. <laughs> this is really some collection. Hey, get a load of this. It's an old recruiting poster from the war. British women, the Royal Air Force needs your help as clerks, waitresses, cooks, motorcyclists, and many other capacities. Enroll at once in the WRAF. Women's Royal Air Force. Those must have been some desperate times. And speaking of desperate times, we're going to be there ourselves if we don't find that lady from the office. Do you see her anywhere, Cap? Hmm. No. Let me ask the bartender. Maybe he'll know. I'll be right back. <clears throat> Good morning. Ah, uh, no. Uh, what can I do for you today? I was wondering if you could help me out. I'm looking for Jim someone. Hudson. She worked at Castle Air Freight. What did you say? You are Jim Hudson, the racing pilot? I did race a while back, but uh, that was a few years ago. How could you possibly recognize well, me? It's difficult to forget a face I see nearly every day. Every day? <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, you see me, boy. Your picture is right here behind the bar. I keep it as part of my photographic collection. And you're in proud company. My picture? Here, take a look for yourself. Well, I'll be. That was taken back in Ohio. 
Around uh, 31, I believe. Yeah, you were flying against the big boys there. Hayslip, Roscoe Turner, Doolittle. And Lowell Bales in that Granville Brothers design. Oh, and didn't just show them. You finished well that day, you did. And up against the best of the best. That was some fancy bit of flying. Yeah, but I wasn't the only one up there. Those other pilots you mentioned weren't too shabby either. Go on, you're being modest. Why, I remember the time in 32. You ran away with first in the Wendell Oil Invitational and the Bristol Cup Challenge. In 33, you took first again with the Bennett Gordon Trophy Dash. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I'll tell you, nobody could touch you that year. And then that uh, big one in 34. What was it? Uh, the Transcontinental in Australia? New Guinea. Uh, New Guinea, that's right. They really gave them a run for their money. I never got a chance to complete my leg of the race. Oh, really? Well, I, I could have sworn you at least placed in that one. No. It was a relay, and our team lost a pilot just before her last checkpoint. You had, had a lady flyer on your team. I remember that now. Wasn't she that real pretty French girl? Uh, what was her name? Claire. Her name was Claire. Tell me, did they ever find her? No, not a trace. Say, that's a shame. But I'll tell you, it was that day right there in that picture you're holding. That's the day you made a name for yourself. Seems like such a long time ago. Hmm. But, uh, I, I don't remember anyone taking my picture in the hangar that morning. Oh, I try not to be too obtrusive. Some pilots consider it bad luck to have their photograph taken. And you know how we Irish are about luck. <laughs> no doubt. Here you go. Thanks. Not at all. Now, the Baron here... He was particularly superstitious about having his photograph taken, especially before a mission. Really? The Red Baron? Baron Manfred von Richthofen, the Ace of Aces? There is only one Red Baron. Uh, would you like to see his picture? Oh, yeah, very much. This is the Baron, all right. I've seen several photos of him, but I've never seen this one. In fact... I don't think I've ever seen any of the photographs you have here. And there's got to be a hundred of them. Two hundred and twenty-one, to be exact. Uh, you might say they're all part of my uh, personal collection. Now, hold on. You're telling me you took all of these photographs? That I did. <laughs> That's impossible. The date on the Baron's photograph here says April 20th, 1918. That's the day he got his 80th kill. Ah, you impress me. But then you also know that the very next day, the Baron was shot down and killed by that Canadian pilot. Yeah, Captain, uh, Captain Roy Brown. Wait a minute. Assuming the date is correct, it would have been nearly impossible for this photograph to be taken. Yes, nearly. You aren't going to tell me how you got it, are you? Well, it would change very little. The Baron is still dead, Mr. Hudson. I believe you have the advantage of me, good sir. My apologies. I'm Gus O'Malley, owner and proprietor of the Tailspin at your service. Well, Gus O'Malley, it's good to meet you. Likewise. I can tell you haven't been in the States long enough to lose your Irish bro. Well, you can take the boy out of Ireland, but you can't take Ireland out of the boy. Well, you're quite a storyteller, Gus. And you are quite a pilot. Now, is there anything I can get for you? It's on the house. Nothing at the moment. Uh, oh, well, yes, actually there is something I would like. I'm looking for the lady that was running the front office over at Castle Air Freight. Any idea where I might find her? Ah, you're looking for Sadie Cohen. 
It's a bit early for her, but I thought I saw her uh, head toward her usual table. Uh, you see that uh, sign that says briefing room? Yeah. Walk through that doorway. She'll be at the first table on your right. Much obliged. Not at all. Guess we'll have to talk again sometime soon. I'm looking forward to it. Come on, Flaps. Being out of work can be pretty tough. Oh, it's you again. Now, what would you know about being on the bricks? Well, believe it or not, I've been there myself a time or two. And if things don't work out here, I'll be there again soon. What do you mean? What I was thinking we could do was... I'm sorry, introductions all around. I'm Jim Hudson, and this is my mechanic, Fanny Lockhart. Hi. People call me Flaps. Sadie Cohen. So, Sadie... What's a guy have to do to get a seat at your table and a moment of your time? Well, for starters, you could offer to buy a lady a drink. That's simple enough. Be right back. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Packard? Uh, Hudson? Well, whatever. Wait, there is an easier way. What do you mean? Well, just raise your hand. Show Gus three fingers. Okay, okay see? He's, he's waving back. He got it. You can put your arm down now. Oh. <laughs> You're not from around here, are you? Uh, no, not really. So why are you standing? Have a seat. Okay, Flyboy, what's on your mind? Here's the deal. We found our cargo in the hangar. Trouble is, we don't know its destination. We'll need you to come back to the office and help us find out where it's uh, going. Uh-uh. I don't work for Castle Air anymore, remember? Well, what I was thinking maybe was you could come and work for Hudson Air Cargo. What? Just for this run. <laughs> oh, no, no. No, I've had my fill of fly-by-night freight companies for a while. Look, back in the office, you said Castle Air owed you two weeks back pay. I'm willing to cover that and a guaranteed bonus if you'll help us. Guarantee, huh? And what guarantee do I have that you'll come back? Here we are. That's Sadie's got the bourbon and water, a cool Dr. Pepper for the gentleman, and a Coca-Cola on ice for the lady. Wait a second. Yeah? Something wrong? No, that's just it. The drinks, they're exactly right. How did you know? Well, you see, uh, well, I'm the bartender. And you're not, Flaps. Yeah, real funny cap. So, Hudson, you were saying something about a guarantee? Look, I'm going to lay all my cards on the table here, Sadie. Frankly, we have nowhere else to go. We've gambled everything by coming out to the West Coast. If we don't make this run, I'm going to have to sell the plane, and that, Sadie, will put me back on the bricks. For my two weeks back pay and a bonus? Yep. And a bonus. How much? A hundred. But I'll need you for three days. Two and a half. Sadie, I need three days. Um... Take it or leave it. Okay, I'll take it. Shake on it. Okay, you got yourself a deal. Here's your C-note. We start in ten minutes. Why don't you finish your drink and we'll see you back at the office. Flaps, you think you can taxi the Lady Luck over to the castle hangar on just one engine? Yeah, on my way, Cap. See you in ten, Sadie. See you there. How'd you ever find anything in this place? Oh, it didn't always look this way. But when I got the feeling the owner wasn't coming back, well, I just let it go. What color did you say that paper was? Orange. I saw part of a message that was attached. I think I found it. Oh, that's it. 
Deliver to Consolidated Mining Company, 9 October. See attached map. Let's see here. Looks like it's, uh, well, it's in Arizona. Right here, just east of Tucson. That's about a ooh, five, maybe six hour hop. And what's this? Now that's the note I was telling you about. In terms of delivery, I knew we'd get to this sooner or later. $15,000 paid upon arrival. Cargo seal from factory must be intact. Broken seal will result in forfeiture of 50% of delivery fee. Sounds like Consolidated doesn't want anyone peeking inside that crate. Sure does. What's the packing manifest say? Mining equipment. That doesn't tell me much. Dynamite could be mining equipment. Yeah, so's a shovel. Yeah, but shovels don't turn your plane into scrap metal if they get bumped. <laughs> and with those instructions on breaking the seal, there's no way of telling what you've got. Well, we'll just have to be real careful then. I can't afford to give up half the money. Or to have your plane blow up. With you in it, no less. Think of what that would do to your bonus. I better see how Flaps is coming. Flaps, how's she looking? Not as bad as I thought. She'll be ready by morning. Nice job, Flaps. Try to get some shut-eye. We take off in the morning at 6. Okay, Sadie. Stay close to the radio tomorrow. I want you nearby in case we get into trouble. From the sound of things, Pally, you get into trouble. The only way I'm going to reach you is through a seance. You must have waved that magic wand of yours over the starboard engine. It's purring like a kitten. Ah, it was just a matter of flushing the oil system. When did you sleep, Flaps? Must have taken all night. Didn't take that long. It was simple. Oh boy, here I, uh, we go again. I gave the oil filter a solvent bath to check for metal deposits, but it came up clean. Changing the dome seal on the propeller cap took care of that leak. Then I noticed a small tear in her high pressure line. So, just to be safe, I put in a new line. See? Simple. Whoa! Easy, Cap. You know I don't like roller coasters. What did we run into? Hang on. That was some pretty nasty turbulence. Flaps, I hate to say it, but that sounded like the crate. Can you go back and check it out? Bad news, Cap. Looks like the top corner's cracked open a bit. It's wedged up against the bulkhead. I, I think it'll hold now. Um, I, I secured it with another tie-down. Great. How bad is it? Well, the seal's broken. Terrific. Now they're going to think we tried to stick our nose in where it didn't belong. Now what? I'm afraid we're going to have to do some fancy talking if we're going to get all our dough out of this hop. And speaking of our customers, where are we anyways? Give me a second. Looks like... Yep. That's the name of it. Where are we? Well, you won't believe this, Cap, but um, that bump we just hit was over a little nowhere town called, and I'm not making this up, Barry, you're dead. Barry, you're dead. You gotta be reading that wrong. See? Look for yourself. Barry, you're dead right there. You're right. Odd name for a town, though. Not if you consider what almost happened to us back there. Better mark the map. 
I'd like to avoid that whole area on our way back. Check. If the numbers are on target, we'll be coming up on it any time now. No place to set her down in this stuff. It's nothing but pine trees and rock cliffs down there. And this has to be wrong. Better try their frequency. I think you're right. Charlie Delta 215, Consolidated Mining. This is Bravo Ranger 259, Hudson Air Cargo. Do you read? Over. So how do we look, Cap? Maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I was kind of hoping for a landing strip before we sat down. Well, the coordinates are right on the money. Huh. Our position is correct, but no sign of... Consolidated Mining, Hudson Air Cargo. Do you read? Over. Uh, yes, this is Consolidated Mining Company. Go ahead, uh, Hudson Cargo, eh? Uh, Consolidated. We're at the coordinates indicated on your instructions, but we cannot locate your landing field. Over. That's because you're not here yet. <laughs> Nobody said you had a landing strip at those coordinates there. Over. What the? Please explain, Consolidated. Or should we turn around and head back with your cargo? Sheesh. Keep your shirt on, pal. There's a slight adjustment in the coordinates. They get that course 274, 10, 15 minutes. Don't worry, you can't miss it. Did you hear that? I told them they can't miss it. Huh? Oh, yeah, open up. That's it. We're lost. Cap, are you sure you've got the right frequency? I don't know. Because that guy sounded like a cab driver I knew back in Chicago. It's been at least 15 minutes. Well, there's not much I can do at this point, Flaps. I got mountain ranges on both sides of us, canyon up ahead, and nothing but cactus and sagebrush in between. There's got to be something we can do. Grab the binoculars from the overhead. See if you can spot something. Just a sec, Cap. Yet, Flaps? No, not a thing. No way. Next to the base of those hills, there's a lot of dust kicking up. Can you tell what's causing it? Hold your water. It's clearing. It, it looks like a small dirt road. Wait, um, more dust now. Um, something's happening. I, I can't tell. It looks like. Why are you slapping your face? If you saw a gust of wind turn a small dirt road into a one-mile landing strip, you'd feel like slapping your face, too. What are you talking about? Honest, Cap. One second it's a dirt road, then the next a gust of wind comes along and boom, it's a runway. It was probably just hidden by all the dust. Cap, I know what I saw. Nevertheless, now we have some place to put down. I'll contact the mine and let them know we're coming in.
cap. There's no one here to meet us. Whoa, well, hold on, Mac. I gotta stop the recorder. The spool ran out again. You're pretty good with that recorder there. You do this a lot for Mr. Hurst? Well, no, not normally, but looks like I'm getting a lot of practice tonight. I think I better get up and stretch my legs. Would you like another cup of joe, as long as I'm up? Sure, Mac. Another cup of coffee would be great. How you holding up there, Mr. Barry? You mentioned you had a long drive, and it's getting close to uh, midnight. Looks like I've missed the last train tonight. I can always grab another one in the morning. Besides, you have really piqued my curiosity. Really? How'd I do that? First off, I'd like to know what exactly Flaps found so odd. Well, they flew all that way, followed all the instructions, and when they get there, not so much as a jackrabbit for 50 miles. Uh Uh-huh. Cap got the feeling he'd been suckered into a bad deal. Given the circumstances, it would be a justifiable concern. I know it all seems kind of risky, but the situation back at Mercury Field put Cap in a pretty tight spot, money-wise. Considering what was at risk, their plane, their, their lives and all, was it really worth taking that kind of gamble? I think you'll see Cap is pretty good at telling the difference between a gamble and a calculated risk. He's just got a way of playing the margins. It's not that he's irresponsible. He's just better at playing it closer to the edge than other people. Especially when there's a lot on the line. I'm beginning to get the picture. Say, that coffee smells good. Mmm. It'll be ready in a couple of minutes. Well, uh, the recorder's set and ready to go. Why don't you fill me in on what happened next uh, while we're waiting for the coffee? You see, Cap knew this job could make or break Hudson Air Cargo. Besides, if he didn't take it, we'd have never found it. Oh, well, now, wait a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself again. Let's see, where was I? They had landed in the desert and nobody was there. Oh, yeah, yeah. There they stood, in the middle of that very hot Arizona desert, wondering what the heck was going to happen next. Where are you going? Up on the wing, get a better view. Toss me those binoculars. Here you go. Thanks. Now, where is our mysterious client? Anything? I don't see a blasted... Hello. Who do we have here? Spot something? A lot of dust. Something's headed our way. Closer now. Looks like an old flatbed truck. See some writing on the driver's door. Three letters. CMC. CMC? What's that? Oh. Consolidated Mining Company. Just a couple of guys in a truck. Nothing to worry about. Uh Uh-oh. What have we got here? Okay, Mr. Passenger. Let's see that again. You got in your lap. What did you say, Cap? I said, no wonder we couldn't find this place on the map. Sweet. Tommy gun. Now, what would you need a piece of hardware like that for way out here? I hope I don't find out. Coming down. They'll be here any second. They? A driver and a helper. He brought help? That's a relief. Now I won't get stuck trying to unload that stupid thing. Yeah. 
Should be no problem. You okay, Cap? Flaps, be on your guard. These guys look a little rough. You guys got the crate? That's why we're here. Let's take a look at it. Right this way. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah, it looks so... Oh, hey, hold on a second here. The top corner's all busted up. It was an accident. We hit some rough weather coming in. You sure you guys uh, didn't get just a little curious? It happened just as I said. Well, uh, I'm afraid the professor's not gonna like this one bit. Look, if it's all the same to you, we'd like to get our money and be on our way. Uh, sorry, uh, but considering our little problem here, we'll have to talk with the professor first. Well, if that's the way it is. Oh, yeah. I'm afraid so. Hey, Frank! Back that truck up here. Give me a hand. Yeah, you and your friend can ride up to the camp in the back of the truck. Terrific. <coughs> it's too dusty back here, Cap. <coughs> Maybe if we move up next to the cab, <coughs> the dust won't be so bad. <coughs> Anything to get out of this dust. Yeah. Maybe we can get a look at where we're going. That's better. <coughs> well, there it is. Is that what a mining camp looks like? Yeah. Put my money on it. Why, what were you expecting? Well... I just had a picture differently, you know. Like those pictures from the Old West. A couple of small tents, campfires, pack mules, a bunch of old prospectors panning for gold. You know what I mean. <laughs> Maybe in the gold rush days. The mine we're heading for looks like an excavation mine. See the big opening in the side of the hill over there? Where? Okay, look. Start at the bottom of the hill at the big tents. Yeah. I, I, I see the tents. Okay. See the one with the big stovepipe sticking way out of the top? Hmm. Yeah. I see the smoke coming out of it. All right. Now, follow that up and to the left and see where the three wood shacks near the top of the hill... Yeah, Cap. Is this leading somewhere soon? Well, if you look just to the right of that last shack, you'll see the mine entrance. I don't see it. Turn your cap around so it shades your eyes. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. There. I see it now. What? I think I like the old days better. I'll take whichever type we can get our money from. You think they're not going to pay us, Cap? It is a possibility. Okay, Flaps. Stay sharp. Wait here. I'll go get the professor. Let's get out of this truck. Looks kind of busy for an out-of-the-way little mine. Yeah, just what I was thinking. Where'd the driver take off to? He went up those stairs to what looks to be the boss's office. What? What is it? 
What is what? You've got that look on your face again. Huh? Your slack-jawed and the look in your eyes is about a million miles away. I'm, I'm sorry, what did you say, Flaps? See? What is it? What gives? Uh, there's something... I don't know. I, I just can't put my finger on it. Put your finger on what? I see a bunch of guys that look like miners carrying picks and shovels. Over there is a mess tent, and there's a big hole in the side of the hill with a set of tracks coming out of it, and I'm thinking, hey, it's a mine. Not the kind of mine I like, but a mine nonetheless. Maybe I'm just jumping at conclusions. Silly me. Cap. Who are those two guys walking behind the driver? How should I know? I guess that tall guy with the beard, though, is the boss. What about the gorilla in the pinstripe? No, wait. Let me guess. Uh, he's the Sunshine Committee? Good afternoon. I'm Professor von Steiglitz. I am the administrator of this expedition. You, sir, must be the pilot, no doubt. I'm Hudson, captain of that DC-3 down there. Look, we're on a really tight schedule, so if you don't mind, we'd like to get our money and be on our way. Excellent. I so enjoy a man that goes directly for the point. No wasting the time. Yeah. I'm afraid we ran into a little rough weather on the way in. Your crate got a little busted up. The corner's a little cracked is all. If you check for yourself, you'll notice the seals are yes, still in... Yes, it's how unfortunate. My associate, Winston here, informed me of the devalued condition of our property. I'm afraid the terms of our delivery are quite specific. I can only pay you half wages. Thirty-five hundred dollars. Thirty-five? Listen, Einstein, half of fifteen grand is seven thousand. Just what kind of dirty double deal is this? Easy, Flaps, easy. Uh, the telegram I received from Mr. Castle clearly stated fifteen thousand dollars upon delivery. I'm sorry. You'll need to take up the discrepancy with Mr. Castle. My payment for delivery is seven thousand and half if damaged. See? What did I tell you? A wild goose chase! Flaps, cool down, will you? Rocco. Please pay, Mr. Hudson. Sure thing, boss. Now wait just a second. If you're intent on paying me only $3,500, then you leave me no choice. Uh, what choice is that, Mr. Hudson? Well, you see, I'm the kind of man that likes to see what he's paying for. So if you're going to charge me anyway, then I'm going to take a look inside this mysterious crate and see what just cost me $3,500. Flaps, toss me that crowbar over there. Got it, Cap. Here you go. Okay, boys. Let's see what's inside. No, wait. I wouldn't do that if I were you, pal. Look out, Cap. He's got a pistol pointed at your back. Rocco, don't shoot. It would be best if you didn't make any sudden movements, Mr. Hudson. Step away from the crate before somebody gets hurt. Uh, that was no pistol. No. That is a 12-gauge shotgun, and I think it would be a swell idea if Mr. Rocco here puts his gun down before I get an itchy trigger finger and put two large holes in the back of his nice new pinstripe suit. What are you doing, Mr. Decker? You're interfering with a matter that does not concern you. Well, your boy here is pointing a gun at an unarmed man, and where I come from, that is a reason to get involved. Besides, you do not want to do this. You would rather just wrap up business and send me on my way. Now, tell your muscle here to back off. What do you want me to do, boss? Rocco, put your gun away. Perhaps this can be resolved another way. See? 
That's better. If it's okay with everybody, I'm gonna turn around now. Yes, uh, of course. I apologize for Rocco's actions. I'm afraid he is just a little overprotective when it comes to my property. Rocco, apologize to Mr. Hudson. Yeah, I'll apologize. See, Mr. Hudson, I, I'm not an unreasonable man. You and I are businessmen, after all, and you were just trying to make a point. And? The crate uh, does not appear to be as badly damaged as I originally thought. Therefore, I am willing to pay you the entire $7,000. If you think we're going to take only $7,000, we'll take it. See, I knew you two could work it out. All you needed was a union arbitrator. Another clever remark, Mr. Decker. How we shall miss your wit when you go. Yeah, I'll bet. While I'm preparing your payment, I would like to offer you the hospitality of our camp. I think you'll find the food quite good, uh, despite our remote location. If you're buying. Thanks. Uh, Vincent, would you show our guests to the mess tent? Uh, sure thing, boss. Uh, follow me, I'll, I'll show you where it is. Waco? Yeah, boss? We'll pay them as soon as I prepare the cash box. Yeah, I'll pay them. I want them gone within the hour. And that again was uh, the first disc of Captain Hudson Lost Minds of Paradise, a five-disc adventure story. You can hear more about it at CaptainHudson.com. Uh, now, I had the privilege of being able to speak with the creator of the series, Tim Knopfler. We talked about uh, a little bit where the story came from, why I got into radio drama, the production behind it, and uh, where Captain Hudson's liable to fly in the future. Hope you enjoy his comments as much as I did. And we have the pleasure of talking today to Tim Knopfler, the creator of Audio Cinema Entertainment, uh, which is the creators of Captain Hudson, uh, the fun, adventurous uh, story we had the pleasure of listening to this past couple of weeks. Uh, Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, uh, Captain Hudson is something that may sound familiar to listeners, but is also uh, a new piece and uh, is uh, has you know great sound effects, uh, you know, a great sense of an era. What made you interested in creating a piece, uh, creating Captain Hudson, both uh, this particular story and, uh, you know, his his whole character? Well, the uh, abbreviated short version of it was that we, my partner Ron Grigsby and I originally, uh, well, we had gone to film school together and, and met up again years later and wanted to work on something. We tried to get the rights to I Love a Mystery, but they were just too far beyond our reach. So we decided, well, why don't we take a crack at writing it? It's a good thing we didn't know how long it would take, or I don't think the conversation would have gone past that. Um, but uh, Ron had come up with a couple of ideas. Uh, when he was a young boy, he used to uh, go down to the airport in Arkansas and watch the BC-3s land. And it was, you know, back then that was a big thing because it was, a, you know, it was a, it was a state-of-the-art craft. And, he, and the idea, um, the BC-3 had just really captured Ron. Well, years later when we got together, he put it in front of me and, advanced it, and, and uh, the only thing he knew at the time was it was a DC-3, and it had a female flight mechanic, and that was it. And, and Ron, Ron and I took it from there. I remember sitting at his table, and we're, we're, we're throwing names around. And when Hudson came up, we just looked at each other and stopped, and we went, oh, that's it. That's that's definitely the name. And um, and then we started in, um, we started putting into Hudson the characters that um, we most enjoyed in the radio heroes, Tom Mix, Jack Packard, um, all the radio heroes that we liked, with a little bit of of our spin on it, and uh, the purpose in creating Hudson and what came about in, in putting him together was putting someone together that was relatable, 
Uh, we one thing we wanted to avoid is anyone listening to the show going, "Oh, brother, who would do that?" That anything that happened like that was immediately xed out of the script. So uh, putting a believable hero together who is facing real life situations is something that uh, people can relate to. Sure, and it sounds like you are uh, big fans of uh, old time radio. Do you take some of that for inspiration, or uh, just listen to it as you're growing up, or what's your uh, history with that? I was introduced to old-time radio at the CBS Radio Mystery Theater at E.G. Marshall when I was uh, in my early teens. Uh, every night at 9.05, uh, I'd be in front of my radio, and I thought, this is really fun. They should do more of this. Well, at the time, I didn't know there had been a whole golden age. So um, I started recording the shows with my little Radio Shack cassette player, cassette recorder, and and uh, playing them back, really enjoying the format, really enjoying the creativity that the audio format provided. Uh, as you know, in, in the audio uh, presentation of a story, every scene is perfect, everyone is dressed exactly as they're supposed to be. Uh, it just, uh, it's very freeing as a storytelling device. And as we went on in time, I started digging up other shows and uh, getting interested in, in some things. And my dad was a huge, huge fan of I Love a Mystery. As a matter of fact, um, he and I were talking at the table one time, and he said, you know, if you can't get the rights to that, because you've gone to film school, he's like, why don't you do one on your own? So it was that conversation, his love for I Love a Mystery, that got me hooking up with uh, Ron Grigsby to create it. But my my history with old-time radio continues even through today. We, I just uh, had the opportunity to, to direct a couple of shows at the Spurvac convention in May. And yeah, and, and what uh, of that? And this is you know this this first particular tale um, sort of has these you know these villains and these these situations. Um, right. You know, the Lost Minds of Paradise. Is that was that inspired by anything, or is that a, a fresh creation of your own? We uh, what what we did was we sat down and we made a list of the story elements that we'd like to see. What are the story? What do we like in a story? What things make it fun? And we listed them, and then we weave the story around them. And so when you uh, you know, it sounded like you took a while to come up with a script. But once you uh, sort of had the script together, uh, how'd you go about, you know, casting the actors, uh, producing the the thing, um, sound effects, all of that? How did that come together? The the writing, which took a year and a half. Uh, once that was done, um, we started looking out to the people that we knew that were actors. Now, Ron uh, represents the, the stage acting portion of, of our creative combination. And we started uh, looking into some of the community theaters, and, and, and we put some ads out. Um, and eventually we came up with a cast of people who, you know, and we, we, we picked the right ones, if for no other reason than the comments that uh, we've been getting that people understand what's going on, they like the performances. But the people, the persons themselves, every single one of them appeared on a live stage performance of Hudson 2. Uh, in May, and uh, to think that we would pick actors that would be so dedicated to uh, the story that they would show up again 10 years later, uh, I wouldn't have even thought of that when we got started. But um, So we selected the cast, we went to um, uh, different sources for them, but eventually we got them, and then it took us, oh my gosh, for about three months in rehearsal, because it's, it's I mean, it's a five-hour show. Yeah. And and uh, so rehearsal time, and uh, then eventually in October of '98, we got in front of the microphones and we uh, recorded it over a couple of days. And then over the years that followed, 
Um, we had we brought people back in for pickups and redid some scenes. And as as filmmakers and audio makers are uh, apt to do, we we're always noodling with it. Uh, yeah, well, our shows are never finished; they're just released. <laughs> okay. Okay. And as someone, um, you're based in uh, California. It looks like uh, Southern California. Like how? That's correct. Yeah. How does like you know maybe being close to Los Angeles or you know your geographic area, uh, things that are going on outside of audio theater, um, affect how you went about uh, producing this production or you know your inspirations or things like that? Well, there's a lot of uh, benefits to being here. I I applaud the people who are back east and doing this because I'm thinking, God, it's got to be a lot harder. But what do I know? I don't live there. Um, some of the elements for the story. Uh, if you hear an actor sitting down in the DC three or walking through the cargo bed of the DC three, well, guess what? That's really that actor, and they're really in a DC three. We went we went out to a company called Cat on the Flying Boats. So this isn't a boat that lands in the water. It's just called Flying Boats, and, and they have uh, DC threes. And uh, the gentleman that owns it, we sat out and talked to him, and, and he gave us permission to go in and get all of our sound effects and uh and so being out here gave us access to what i thought was pretty critical um <clears throat> pretty critical uh um, elements as well as being able to meet face to face with uh the people uh through whom we got our music library and build up some relationships so being out here helped quite a bit sure and what about all those uh all the planes flying around uh engines are those uh real planes too uh, they're all real planes. Um, we uh, use the original or the um, DC-3 effects whenever possible. Sometimes it just wasn't possible to use a, um, a live DC-3. We had to go to a recorded DC-3 um, from a sound, or sound effects library. But when you hear the DC-3 land out in the desert and when you hear all that going on, that's really a DC-3 landing. That's not a conglomeration of different sound effects. That's what you're hearing. So, um, yeah, I think that realism or, or just the you know the consistency um, certainly helps paint the you know the portrait of the of the story and uh, you know and the, and the adventure just you know keeps that keeps that well uh, true for us. Uh, so, incidentally, so everybody heard uh, more or less the first disc of uh, uh, Captain Hudson's first adventure. Um, and are you do you have other ones in the works or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And how 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 are those coming along? Well, the um, in May we did the very first chapter of the next episode of Captain Hudson, which is called The Adventures of Captain Hudson: The Island of the Golden Temple. It, it, yeah, and it starts off with uh, uh, Hudson and Mac and Flaps being forced down on a military airfield outside of San Francisco in 1937, and uh, um, it gets very complicated after that, and and. And we get to see a lot more Blackthorn. Um, we get to see, you know, Stigotz is doing his his evil thing, and it's uh, it, the story has really gone up a notch. We're trying to get as much story in in much less time. Since it's not a pilot, we can do um, we can get right to the story rather than setting up character elements. But right. but we're um, we're real happy with uh, the first uh, forty odd pages, and and it's great to have them produced before you finish writing it, because it gives you a chance to see how it feels, how does it sound when people get up and do it. And then we can make those changes in the, the final writing and the production. But we will probably have this show out in less than a year, I would think. Okay, awesome. And and for now, people can go to captainhudson.com, uh, spelled about the same way it sounds, uh, captain spelled out. 
Um, you can actually order um, the Lost Minds of Paradise to hear the rest. It's uh, quite an epic story, too, so um, they've got a lot of listen to uh, between uh, then and now. Uh, is it about five hours, the whole thing? Yeah, it runs about five hours. We uh, The length was something that we didn't really need to be too concerned about when we were writing it because we wasn't going on the radio, and sure. audio books don't have any limits to time. So we just wrote the story. And I'll tell you, it was much longer before we cut it back and trimmed it out. Yeah. Uh, we tried to keep the uh, the better elements. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's about five hours. Okay. And so, you know, there's obviously this appearance on Radio Drum Revival. Um, you haven't really gone for the radio. How else have you been attracting an audience for Captain Hudson? Word of mouth. It's it's amazing in the old-time radio circles. I, uh, a very good friend of mine, uh, Walden Hughes, is up at the uh, Reps Convention in Seattle and uh, – I'm sure Captain Hudson's on the table being sold there someplace. And now and now we're getting interest from old-time radio groups to do uh, recreations of uh, portions of Captain Hudson. So there's a sign of acceptance by the old-time radio community. And those are our listeners, and those are the ones that we make the product available to. Excellent. Yeah, and I, I think it's a great combination, you know, again, of um, you know original work, but that certainly is inspired by you know what made old time radio great. Um, but you know, and I think you say that yourself, you're taking advantage of the new uh, production methods available to you. Yeah, if you, I mean, you'll you'll hear small homages throughout our show uh, to various other shows. Um, at some point, you, they're flying over uh, Barrier Dead Arizona into the. Uh, old-time radio community will recognize it as a title for one of the I Love a Mystery episodes. Excellent. Yeah. All right, well, Tim, thanks so much for, uh, first off, for sharing uh, Captain Hudson with us and for your great work producing it and for being on the show today. Oh, my pleasure being here, and uh, I, I wish you much luck and success with your show, and uh, happy to help you out anytime. And that was uh, Tim Knopfler, creator of Captain Hudson, CaptainHudson.com, Captain Hudson, Hudson like the uh, Hudson River H-U- dson.com. Uh, you can check out that website to hear more of the soaring adventure, um, all kinds of behind the scenes, um, other information about the show. Now, next week we go completely different, go from adventure to horror with a preview of The Chilling New Tale by AMFM Theater of Lowell Mass. The story, produced for the Gristmill series, is The Slasher, a tale penned by horror master F. Scott Wilson, adapted by the guys behind Great Northern Audio Theater, a group that you must all know, a superb audio drama group. And uh, you'll hear behind-the-scenes interviews with uh, producer Scott Hickey, director um, Brian Price, and myself, who uh, was there um, on scene to do a little bit of supporting uh, production role as well as uh, just sort of chat with people, take some pictures, uh, reviews, um, interviews, that sort of behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, We'll also have some excerpts from the show next week. Um, Then we'll have a link um, where you can go and download it. Um, It's going to be a pay-for-download, only a couple of bucks. Great, great piece. Highly recommended. And uh, we'll be uh, focusing on that next week course can't wait for more check out the blog radiodramarevival.com in addition to a handy link to subscribe to the podcast you will find all of the previous episodes scattered bits of audio drama news articles and spectacular reviews as part of the malleus series by chris duker and if you haven't been there already to check it out definitely see his uh what he calls an audio tourism article covering gyan mitsuri in kyoto japan um has uh pictures and uh what's better than pictures has sound he has uh, binaural microphone recordings of the festival which is super super cool um saves you a flight over there uh so check that out at radiodramarevival.com and while you're there why not leave a comment or two kick out the discussion if you want to find us also on itunes search for radio drama revival uh, that wraps it up for this week. Uh, Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week.